Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Hey, who's got two thumbs and is going to be interviewing Draco Malfoy? Me! Okay. No, no, who's got two fingers and is going to be attending the talk with Draco Malfoy? You! (laughs) No, no, but you are around about, sure. Just in case y'all are confused, Tom Felden, who played Draco Malfoy in the movies, uh, has a book out about his life. And I was asked to interview him. And I get to bring someone with a free ticket... Me! You! That, you gotta write that time! Yeah! So that's cool. That yeah. was a random email I got. slither right in. And oh, nice. Mm. What, what What is this podcast about? Harry Potter. Yeah, nope. <laughs> what is this podcast actually about? Tom Felton. <laughs> no. Oh. Colder. 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 Oh. Uh, no, it's about picture books. Oh. And whether they're good or not. And whether or not they should be classics or not. And whether or not Tom Felton has read them. Uh, I'm not really interested in his opinions on the matter, but sure, we could we could quiz him, I suppose, put him on the spot, sure, as it were. Uh, who are you? Me, Kate. And uh, me, Betsy. And uh, this fuse ain't Kate. And I don't I don't want to like play this up too much, but we put out the call for good Halloween, spooky, scary. Yeah, you were desperate. I was very desperate. Uh, picture books, and y'all came through. Like the champions you are, I cannot thank all of you enough. We got so many good suggestions. So many grand ones, in fact. That you're going to have to carry some into next year? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I'm saving them. They will be, <laughs> yes. If your book was not is not used this month, uh, it will be in the future. I have saved all of them, and I will be drawing upon them in the future. Today's book is a book that I did not know existed let alone in two different versions. And uh, I have to credit the, what is it, third sister, Stephanie? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Stephanie came through with two grand, grand suggestions. And I've gone with the first one here. So grand that I am shocked, shocked by its appearance. And let me just say, this is going to be an interesting one. Are you ready? No. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> Matilda. Oh, who told lies and was burned to death. What the heck? <laughs> By uh, Hilaire Belloc? Sure. Um, this particular edition illustrated by Stephen Kellogg. But look, look, here's another version. What's this one called? Matilda, who told such dreadful lies. Yes, also by Hilaire Bellick, but illustrated by... Posey Simmons. That's correct. So we have two different editions of this Edwardian poem, uh, which have both been adapted into a picture book. But they changed the title. Yes, because apparently one of them's a little more recent than the other, 
And apparently in the interim, they discovered that parents don't like buying books with the term burned to, to death, death on the cover. <laughs> this isn't Struvel Peter. What, what is this? Yeah. So, yeah, this is a fascinating. Um, fortunately, in both cases, this is a very short poem. Don't think it's going to take you too long to get through both of those. Go read those books. Okay. Okay. While Kate does her read, let's learn a little bit about Hilaire Belloc. You actually will find his poetry in a fair number of picture books. He sort of preceded Edward Gorey as a wag. A wag who was drawn to the dark side, let's say, of uh, rhyming couplets. Oh, rhyming couplets. Who doesn't want to see a dark side of that? Uh, he was French by birth, but he spent most of his life in England, and he was naturalized as British in 1902. He was born, in fact, in 1870. Served as a liberal member of parliament from 1906 to 1910, and he wrote all kinds of the super serious poetry that the people at the time would have been into. Much like Gilbert and Sullivan, however, he's only remembered for his funny stuff, because that's, quite frankly, harder to do. He created several collections of poetry, satirical poetry, that were for kids. One of them called Cautionary Tales for Children. I would love, by the way, we've already referenced it, but I would love to hear whether or not he was influenced by Struvel Pater at this point, because boy, do these poems sound kind of familiar in that way, uh, including this particular one. Now, this collection came out in 1907, and in it, was Matilda. And Matilda has all sorts of, you know, funny moments. It's very much an Aesop's fable of the boy who cried wolf. Now, at one point, actually, it's kind of bizarre, it says that her aunt did not allow her to see a play called The Second Mrs. Tanqueray uh, because she had been telling lies and this was her punishment. When, in point of fact, this entertaining piece was actually very adult, uh, its plot included themes of sexual mistreatment, trouble pass, and recriminations, and ended with the title character's parents' suicide. So, you know, that's fun. In any case, for a time there, Hilaire Belloc was adapted into a range of picture books. I would love to, A, know how many were adapted into picture books here in America, and B, know when the last one was adapted. I believe I saw one about seven years ago, and since that time, I have not seen one since. So if anyone would like to go through his oeuvre and find me another one and publish it as a picture book, I would be grateful. Hello, Kate, are you back? Hello, dear. Hello, dear. Hello, governor. Uh, uh, apples and pears, apples and pears. <laughs> Bob's your uncle. We were talking about Tom, who's a Brit. You mm. gave me a book that's set in London. Edwardian, I believe. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Quite. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Though I get a little confused with uh, some of the details because something seems a little off. Which what? I'll, what? Yeah, which I'll get to in just a sec. But the cover of the old... I'm just going to keep referring to these as the old book and the new book. Which is hilarious because what the Stephen Kellogg is the old book yeah. to you. Okay, sure. Do it, that thing. Is yeah. It, is it not? Well, in that he was around in the 80s, so... But and this, this was... And this poem is from 1907, but you know, it's but cool. But this, this is the first book... Of the two that I have that I was able to get my hands on, there may have been more? Um, surely, surely Edward Gorey at some point illustrated Belloc, but 
who knows when. But Posey Simmons is the newer. Yeah, that would book. be the newer one. So okay. Kellogg is the old, Simmons is the new. We'll yes. go with that. Okay. The newer book, I thought you said it was because, uh, you know, they, they thought having uh, was burned to death on the cover. I assume that's why they didn't put it on there. But they put it on the title page, Betsy. Well, that's, see, see, because by that point... This stupid, unsuspecting parent has already <laughs> bought the book and didn't realize that was what it was about. Ah. Marketing. That's what that is. That's marketing. Or Barnes & Noble was like, we can't put a word burn to death on a picture book. Take it off the cover. And they're like, okay. How old would you say in the old version, just looking at the little girl, how old would you say Matilda is? I'd say she's a little younger than my son, so I would say six. Okay. I said five. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not... We later learn. Oh, how old is she? Um, uh, I don't want to spoil it. Oh, all right, all right. She's 35. <laughs> she's a middle-aged woman. She, she really, I love that you just called 35-year-olds middle-aged. Fantastic. All right. <laughs> Can't back away from that one. No. No. Oh. But in the newer version, Matilda definitely looks like, I would say she's more 9 or 10. Yeah, I would agree. She looks definitely on the older side. Because we don't mind if 9 or 10-year-olds are burned to death. That's okay. Right, but if yeah. it's a 5-year-old. That would be sad. <laughs> we don't want that. And both books have a dog. Don't ask me what kind they are, but I thought that was interesting. A that dog b- of indeterminate species. Yeah, I, mm. I, I think the newer one is a pug. It certainly has some pug in it, if nothing else. Yes. And and the older one, I don't know. It's a small little fluffy some thing. Some sort of terrier. So it's a rhyming poem. Ah, yes. And uh, it starts off by saying that this little girl, Matilda, uh, she would always tell lies. Mm-hmm. In the older version, she's at, like, a covenant. <laughs> she's what? <laughs> There's nuns. Oh, a convent. Oh, oh yeah. A convent. convent. Not a covenant. That'd no. be a little different. Convent. A convent. We both yeah, have sure. C's and V's. You She's know what I mean. She's probably at Catholic school, I assume. Sure. Sure. Um, well, maybe it's an all-girls school. Because... Yeah, an all-girls Catholic school. Yeah. That'd be my guess, yeah. Whereas in the newer one, she's not. She's just telling lies to her family that's around. Sure. Yeah. What else you gotta do? The new version does this weird capitalization thing throughout the book. I wonder I... if that's original to the original poem. I don't have the original poem in front of me. Okay. I have the original here, and sure is shooting lots of capitalization going on. Okay. I think they just changed it for the other, for the Kellogg edition. Got it. Because we can't deal with it. Yeah, well. We're weirded out. Also, the new version took out one word. What's that one word? So. (laughs) Come on! (laughs) I was just mucking with you at that point. In in the old book, it says, uh, and would have done so had she not discovered this infirmity but the word so in the old one is and would have done so whereas in the new book and would have done had she not discovered this so why take out literally one word from the entire book (laughs) i have literally no idea the word so is very offensive i wonder if one's a british edition one's an american edition they made decisions based on that i have no idea that's really really weird yep but I like in the old version, the illustrations actually sh- show a story about mm-hmm. here's an example of how she's lying. There's like a ladder up to get a cookie jar that's smashed on the ground and she's trying to blame it on the dog. Whereas the new version, there's no real details. There's no story in the illustrations. It's just... It is kind of funny because the Kellogg version is basically making the case for her de- deserving to burn to death. No. It's like, look, see... 
It's showing ah. her lying. It is. It Whereas actually shows the lies. The yeah. new one doesn't really show it at all. So you, ah. know, you don't well, really... Well, then I, I appreciate the Kellogg for putting the effort in I that. do, too. Yeah. Yeah. So one day, um, Matilda's bored, and she de- decides to go and get on the telephone. And then this is where I get confused, because... There are two different types of phones between these two books, yet they're supposed to take place at the same time. Right. So the newer book has the type of phone where you would have the earpiece separated from the, what would you call it? Stand. Yeah. Whereas the old book, there's the the actual base and then there's a telephone cord and she's holding on to the handle which has the earpiece and the mouthpiece on it. Not knowing my phone history as well as I might, I cannot say whether both of these could be accurate or if one is more accurate than the other. Yeah, all I could find was an article with like the history of telephones and pictures and it showed that the newer book has the older model from 1919, whereas the old book has the newer phone from 1928. Okay. So... Simmons may be doing her research slightly better than Kellogg on this <laughs> I just thought that was very strange. Also, oh, is it just me or in the Simmons? Does she not look like Wednesday Adams? A little bit. Yeah. Uh, but then, here's another weird thing. Um, in the older version, there is a framed picture of, and it says, Victoria, our queen. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> but in the newer version, you can see a framed picture of a man with a crown. Is that Albert? Which I would have thought, if this is the Edwardian period, that is Victoria's son, mm-hmm. King Edward the Seventh. Right, which I think would be more historically accurate. So now I'm confused. I think, once again, Simmons wins with the historical accuracy, whereas... Kellogg was just like, old-timey poem, let's put Queen Victoria in there for no particular reason. But the details in the old one are so fun. Like when No, you, I know. When I she know. gets on, So she gets on the phone and she calls the fire department or the fire brigade. Yeah. And on the other line, in the older <laughs> version, you've got um, a, a sheet of paper on the wall that says, weekly order of business, Monday, bowling, Tuesday, checkers, Wednesday, horseshoes. And it's like every day is a different game. You've got uh, a sign that says attention by order of the chief, no smoking in bed. And you can see these guys taking naps, all holding on to cigars or cigarettes. <laughs> There's the dog, the Dalmatian is sleeping on the floor, but he's also in a framed picture next to the queen. So he's of equal importance, is the implication. Being. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it's these little details. Yeah, that... no, it's just so much fun to pour through them. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in the new book, no, not that. Nah, we're not dwelling in those. Nope. Nope. And, uh, and they say, Matilda's house is burning down. At which point I'm like, okay, hold on. They know her name? Apparently there's only one of Matilda in the entire town. Yeah. So if they know her name, yeah. they should know she's a pathological liar. Maybe. I feel like it's on them at this point. Well, yeah, but you know what? Prank phone calls were so new at this point that they hadn't quite gotten the, the hang of them yet. Well, the, the older version definitely looks like a much older... It's not really a... There's no fire engine. It's just horses yeah, dragging a, accurate. a carriage. Yeah. And the firemen are, like, blowing horns, I kind guess. Kind of a great Chicago fire kind of engine. Well, yeah. in the newer one, there's horses drawing a carriage, but there's, like, a steam engine mm. on the carriage. Well, clearly they had more money. <laughs> it's definitely a newer carriage. Yeah. Fire, fire carriage? Or fire, more capable Fire carriage. truck carriage? Uh, fire thingy. <laughs> you know what I'm I trying to say, right? That's a different <laughs> term, yeah, but yeah. So they get to the house. This place is huge. 
Is she royalty? Yeah. Is that how no, they know her name? No, she's class, right? I, I don't know. If, if she's in this big of a house, <laughs> I'm wondering if she's somehow royalty and that's how why they know her name. If she's like the daughter of a duke or... But she would have had a lot more maidservants and stuff watching her had she been royalty. I mean, she's just upper class. They just had huge freaking houses. Well, this is what I find very interesting in the newer version. All right. There is a time traveler. Ooh, explain more. There is a man mm-hmm. taking a picture of the fire brigade climbing up their ladders to try and get into the house using what looks like a smartphone. So basically, <laughs> you have done a 12 monkeys on me and you have determined something. Let me check it out. Let me check it out. The, it's it's a little difficult to see what he's holding his hand, but I believe it's a smartphone. <laughs> he does look like he's holding a smartphone. And he's taking a picture. Oh, sir, you're... Cover has been blown. That's pretty funny. What else would he be doing? Like, I guess applauding, maybe, but he looks like he's definitely holding something there. Yeah. Yeah. So they're breaking windows and they're getting into, you know, the the house. And immediately in the old version, they're like spraying. They're they're barely at the top of the ladder when they're just spraying as much yeah. water as they can into the house. Whereas, in the newer version, not, not only are they inside the house, but they can clearly There's see... There's no fire, you guys! The no. people outside at least had a feeling that there could be fire exactly. on the inside. These guys have walked in the house and are like, well, there's no fire here, but I'm we just, have these hoses. Uh, <laughs> I have a proposal. I think they just have, like, a vengeance against his family, and they're I mean, just going to ruin all of their paintings. I mean, they have a chance... Who would not take that chance? They are just doing They're it like, for revenge. They're like, you know what? This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, boys. Yep. We're going for it. Yep. And <laughs> Spray they, that painting! And they take full advantage. But um, the the aunt, you know, had to convince the fire department uh, that there was no need for them. But she had to pay them to go away. She paid them off. Yeah. yeah. I love that. So a few weeks later, the aunt is going to go to the theater to see a play. Mm. <laughs> and again, the old version. No rhyme or reason for these illustrations. It's just brilliant that Matilda is reading a book called The Skull while eating <laughs> a box of bonbons. <laughs> it's not in That's the text. living life, man. It's Who wouldn't want to do it's that? It's not in the text. She just chooses to do that. He just that. came up with that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. And the aunt refused to take her niece uh, to the theater, which in the old version, there is a grandfather clock and it says it's 7.55. So I'm like... Girl, just go to bed. Just, yeah. You, you just go to bed, kid. <laughs> You're five. You're it's, five. It's your bedtime. <laughs> Eight o'clock is a good time to go to bed. Here's where the books definitely differentiate. Okay. How the fire starts. Yeah, I was wondering that because in either one, is she at fault? No. Neither time? Neither time. Okay. In the newer version, there is a cigar that is in an ashtray. The said dog that was mentioned earlier, the pug, yeah, the I think pug, it is. Yeah. Um, kind of knocks the cigar off the table. It lands on a chair, and the chair catches on fire. What is that chair made of? My goodness. In the older version, rats take what? take a candelabra. What? And purposefully light curtains on fire. What has she done to these poor rats that they would... <laughs> 
kill her in response. My goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Watch out for rats, ladies and I also like that on the dedication down. page, there's a rat there. That's so terrifying. And that's more terrifying than anything else I've seen in that book. Yeah. So rats started the fire. So rats okay. started the fire. <laughs> it was always burning. Yeah. So... Her house is on fire. Right, like you do. <laughs> she uh, can now smell it, see it, and she's freaking out. Right. And she's running to the windows, and she's, like, yelling to anyone that's passing by on the street that her house is on fire. Sure. But uh, everyone she's, it says that she's doing it in vain. Every time she shouts fire, they only answered, little liar. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, there is very clearly smoke and yeah. flames coming out. Oh boy! Of yeah, the windows. in both of them. In both versions, that either the smoke is in their face. You pretty much just have to be ignoring the ob- obvious to be ignoring these. I think they. Everyone flames. in town wants her dead. Clearly, <laughs> nobody likes her. They want her to die, or they have something against her aunt and her house, because we already saw what the firefighters did to it, so... Well, yeah, and, well, speaking of the house, Mm. it burns to a crisp. Okay. Uh, There is nothing left of the house. It is completely gone. How series of unfortunate events. Just, uh, the only thing that remains are the chimneys. uh, Like, the fireplaces and the chimneys. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, And, uh, and so when the aunt returned from the theater, Matilda and the house... We're burned. Oh my. And now here's where we find out how old Matilda is. Because oh. at the end oh. at the end of the old book, it gives the year she was born okay. and the year she died. How old was she? She was eight. The does heck? That, does that that's look like not okay, that's that's a picture of an eight year old by someone who doesn't know how quickly children age. <laughs> that is not my son's age. No. But the the older book has like uh you know, she has a very small gravestone uh-huh. and behind her there's like an angel weeping uh-huh. uh, statue. Sure. Right? Right. In the newer version, her gravestone has an angel weeping. Oh wow. Okay. Um, I should say this is not the only cautionary tale about children burning to death, because when I think of children burning to death in poetic form, uh, there's a little book called Struvel Pater, which is a German book of fairy tales, sort of, kind of, nursery rhyme slash fairy tales, uh, which were all cautionary tales, and the dreadful story about Harriet and the matches, um, I'll just summarize that one, don't play with matches or you will burn up and then your cats will cry. Over your ashes. So I do wonder if Hilaire Belloc was influenced at all by this other story, which is very similar. But his rhymes, I would say, are more fun. All right. Ratings time. (laughs) So there were interesting choices and pros and cons of both books. Indeed. The old one has many more details, which I liked. But she looks way too young. Um, yeah, that's there's, weird. There's more story in the illustrations, and there's entirely a, in black and white too, which was interesting. Yep, and a much more interesting way of how the fire started, in my opinion. Yeah, the new one has 
the cool panels. It has the time traveler and a vengeful fire department. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very vengeful. And I like the newer illustrations better, but they just needed way more details. Yeah. Um, It's definitely a Halloween book when you have burned to death in the title, (laughs) but I would not read this any other time of the year. It's, Mm -hmm. I think this is an interesting version of the boy who cried wolf. Oh yeah. That's clearly, I guess that it's more accurate to say that that's the true influence on it. Yeah. yeah. So I gave it a 4.9. I think it's interesting, but I don't think I'd call it a classic. I mean, I mean, you you hadn't even heard of it. I've never. I mean, I've heard of the creator. I had not heard of this particular poem. No. Yeah. So I am with you on this one. I do not think it's a classic. Not because I don't like the poem itself. I think it's perfectly fine. But it was not written to be in a picture book in the first place. It was written to be one of many stories in a collection of cautionary tales for kids. Anytime you take some poem out and you make it its own book, it's going to have a certain number of limitations. They did a great job, both of them to a certain extent, with this weird little poem. But uh, I gotta give it a four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some of their scores combined, it's not a not classic. Not quite a classic, yeah, but okay. not for lack of trying, you know? Yeah. Was a, there, I'm gonna give us a good faith effort. Sure. Yeah. I have, I, I have no animosity towards it. Letters time. Ooh. All right. Sarah writes in and she says, hi there. Hello. I'm late with my Edward Gorey story and it isn't even mine. My former roommate told me that when she was in high school, she was in the Gotham Bookmark, sitting on the floor reading Amphigory and laughing. She felt something bump her from behind and turned around and Edward Gorey was behind her in fur coat and sneakers. (laughs) And he had just poked her with his sneaker clad foot. It's not funny, he said, and walked away. I'm enjoying your October-themed shows <laughs> very much so far and looking forward to the rest of the month. Aww. Thank you, Sarah. Now, that is an Edward Gore story that I have never heard, and I <laughs> like it. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to be on point. So that's fantastic. Grown-up things we like. You go first. Okay. So for work, literally for work, uh, I had to watch the first three episodes of a show on Hulu called Reservation Dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you done Reservation Dogs no. on this? Okay, so Reservation Dogs, if folks aren't aware of it, uh, indigenous actors, indigenous uh, director, uh, writing the scripts, everything. I didn't know what to expect. I, I remember they had very, very good reviews when the first season came out. I think they're in their second season now. And I had heard stuff. I thought it was a drama. I was coming in expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, something very serious. Uh, it's cringe comedy. Which I did not expect. Now, I do hear that as it goes on, it becomes more of a drama. But at this point, it's quite funny. And the jokes land. And the acting is spot on. And I so I've watched the first three episodes. They were all great. And uh, very enjoyable. So I gotta give two huge thumbs up to Reservation Dogs. I know this is an old recommendation. Many of you have already seen it already. But if you haven't... And you would like something funny, but a little bit awkward. It's not It's not terribly awkward. It's just a little bit awkward. Uh, go check out some Reservation Dogs. Okay, cool. Yeah. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. I recently had a mammogram. They found something. I had to go back to get another mammogram and an ultrasound. They said, can you come back and we'll do a biopsy? 
I was like, uh, that doesn't sound good. It's not great. It's not great. <laughs> but then at the same time, they said, oh, and also we're doing this market research study um, to try and detect breast cancer earlier through MRIs. Would you be interested in participating? So I, I did my first MRI. I felt like it was like being inside a 1979 computer. It was cool. very electronic, lots of banging, lots of whirling, vibrations. Like like I was laying on top of a car engine. It was the weirdest experience. That's cool. And I was on my stomach the whole time. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. I, I was in the when Superman you see them pose. In the, in the movies and stuff, they're always on their backs. Yeah, no, yeah. I was on my stomach. Okay, that's fun. And then I had my biopsy. And uh, good news, I, I got the results today. It's a, what, how do you say, fibro... Fibroadenoma. That I had one of those when I was 18. Yeah, it's yeah. A, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's a non-cancerous breast tumor that most often occurs in young women. Ugly so, sucker. Do not Google image that. Yeah, mine is 12 millimeters big. Uh, um, so it's it's not small, but they said, we'll just keep an eye on it year after year to make sure that it doesn't grow. And if it does, then we'll take care of it. But... Yeah. My grown-up thing that I like is mammograms. If you haven't scheduled yours yet, go do it. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if it runs in your family or not. I don't care if you're scared. Go do it. You have zero excuses. And I will be happy to bug you every day until you make an appointment. And if you need someone to uh, you know, explain to you how it goes or what it's like, you know, I'm happy to help. Please email us. And yeah, I guarantee you've probably worn or sports bra or shapewear that is more uncomfortable than a mammogram. It doesn't hurt. You'll be fine. You've been through worse. Just get it done. That's my grown-up thing. Great. That's good advice. Thank and you. everyone should do it. Who's, you know, got breasts and all. Men get breast cancer too. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But they are not usually encouraged to get a mammogram. So it's interesting. Yeah. But if these MRI things go down, then maybe that will help with that, too. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you'll be a part of that change in medical history. Uh, it's They're in year two of a three-year study, so it'll exactly. be it'll be a while before it'll we be get some while, results. But, but, hey, but... It's the advantage of living in the same town as Northwestern University, so there yeah. you go. Very cool. Well, October is continuing um, at a pace, and so I have so many suggestions of Halloween books. I'm very excited, so we will definitely have one for next week. And uh, this will be hard to top, though. This this will be a very difficult one to top, but I I, I have a, a good one in mind. So well, there's still two more Mondays left. So oh well, then never mind. So, then I'll do two more after this. Yeah, Fine, because I'll... the last Monday of the month is Halloween. Oh, so the last Monday. book it has to be super scary. Oh okay, sure. I'll get the scariest <laughs> of the scaries and do it for then. I need to place some holds. Okay. <laughs> well, until I actually place said holds, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8, Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM. Or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddenkeim, and our struval Druter is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is creation of Kate Atienza and Betsy Bird. <laughs>